Hey, horse girls, before we get into the show, I guess technically we should be giving a content warning for depression, but also we want to let you know that we are going to be recording the last few episodes of season six of BoJack quickly. We would like to be done by mid-June, right? Right, Lindsay? Yes. By the time this comes out, people have very little time to send in their comments, so please do. Yeah, you have about a week from this release to get in all of your feedback for episodes 11 to 16 of BoJack season 6. Just because we're, we're trying to have a summer vacation again, but we also don't want to miss a week. So yes. just wanted to give you that heads up before we get into the show. Is there anything else they need to know, Lindsay? Oh, probably how to give us their feedback. <laughs> yeah, send us your retrospective praise. <laughs> Yes, so you can email us at bojackhorsepod at gmail.com. You can tweet us at bojackhorsepod, or you can fill in our Google form at tinyurl.com slash bojackhorsepod. Yes, we do have a couple of comments that were sent in months and months ago about the series finale, so (laughs) be like that person. Yeah, be, be proactive. Be like them. Okay, perfect. Well, without further ado, let's get into the show. everyone and welcome back to Bojack Horse Pod, the Bojack Horseman story. Today we will be talking about season 6, episode 10 of Bojack Horseman, Good Damage. I am Kirsten McKinnis, joined by someone who absolutely is a beautiful salad bowl, Lindsay Wilson. <laughs> Lindsay, how are you? Oh my god, what a compliment. I love this episode. I'm doing very well. It was lovely to watch this. Sad to watch this, but what a compliment. I did my best, you know. Yeah, so this is absolutely a great episode for me to have watched two times, <laughs> and I feel like I need to just up front let everybody know what happened. So I was watching BoJack while I was working, and I got interrupted by a call or like someone coming into my office and missed the pre-credit scene and the <laughs> credits of this episode. So I didn't have anything to break up that I was in another episode of, of BoJack. So truly embarrassing, absolutely my fault. I I hope this doesn't hurt your faith in my integrity as a journalist. (laughs) It really helped explain to me how I could have missed that joke about being on pins and needles. It's not just because I live with a porcupine. Yeah. In this episode. (laughs) Turns out it's the wrong episode because I'm a stupid, dumb idiot. (laughs) You're perfect. I won't hear it. Oh, thank you. Stop. Some could say you're just extra prepared. Some could say poorly prepared because I was prepared <laughs> for the wrong thing. It's fine. Anyways, Lindsay, how are you? How's life? What's new? Yeah, yeah, things are fine. Not in school right now. It's wonderful. Work's fine. Hazel's visiting soon. Well, by the time this comes out, Lindsay, Hazel will be home. Yeah, true. Yeah. Like just freshly home. Maybe she's listening on the plane. <laughs> how was the trip? Do you think she had fun? Great. We had such a good time. We went to restaurants. We nice. went went to the went to Stanley Park. Yeah, nice. went to the beach probably, even though it was probably raining. Hey, it's June. It could be nice. Yeah. You've never been in Vancouver in June before. No, it's true. No. No, you moved in September. Yeah, so we had a great time. What a dream. Well, hi Hazel, I hope you enjoyed British Columbia. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see you next time maybe. I get it. You didn't have time to come over. <laughs> <laughs> For me, Temptation Island is over, so I, I get a break, but Love Island is on the horizon, so. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. With its 50 episodes a week. Now I have three weekly podcasts until <laughs> Slacker. So much free time. Incredible. Yes. And we hashtag renewed mess magnets. That is right. Mess magnets has been renewed. So our our work, our grassroots campaign has been successful. <laughs> Incredible. We love to see it. Okay. I bet people are wondering what time it is right now. Which I feel like this segment is even more entertaining when we're recording stuff ahead of schedule, just for the record. (laughs) Yes, I loved having Scally here last week to do the live drop, but it was beautiful now. Yeah, Scally's not here, but you will hear the recorded drop as he brings us into the what time is it right now segment. (laughs) What time is it? So currently it is Sunday, May 29th, 2022 at 12.23 p.m. in the Pacific time zone where Lindsay and I are, 3.23 p.m. in the Eastern time zone where many of our featured guests live. It is 8.23 p.m. in London and it is 3.23 a.m. on a Monday, May 30th in Hong Kong. Incredible. Incredible. That's what time it is right now. (laughs) Woo! Clap, clap, clap. Yay. And so this episode comes out on June the 7th, 2022. Yeah. 2022, flying by. It is flying by. And we've got some very interesting holidays today. I'll I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yes. So first it is Daniel Boone Day, who is okay. apparently the colonel who discovered Kentucky. So big colonizer we will not be observing. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right. Discovered Kentucky. And then the picture on this website is just like horses. I don't... Mm. <laughs> but not like racehorses, like free horses. I don't think that's what Kentucky looks like, but... Turns out it was there all along. <laughs> exactly. Another one we will also not be observing is a June bug day. Uh, no, truly June bugs are so gross. I just asked if they have June bugs out here. We don't, baby! Yeah, when everyone reacted with confusion, I was like, oh my god, this means that they're not out here and they have not followed me. What a scourge. I hate those things. So gross. Yeah, they're they're like an Ontario part. Like in Canada, I think they're Ontario, maybe Manitoba. They definitely are out east as well. We yeah. used to have them in my childhood and what a nightmare. They're so disgusting. They are so creepy. They're like giant beetles and they like dive bomb you <laughs> and they're so scary and gross. Mm-hmm. If you ever have a porch light on, they just surround the porch light, and then you try to go outside, and they attack you and get stuck in your hair. Oh, Ugh. God. It says, how to observe June bug day. Go outside at night and turn on an outside light. A, hu- a group will start swarming the light. You could bask in the wonder, but if you have a pet lizard or toad, you may want to give them a special treat <laughs> for a meal, a June bug. So you celebrate it by murdering them, I, mm-hmm. I guess? I don't know. Anyways, I'm in favor of murdering June bugs, but other than that, they're <laughs> so ucky. Yeah, so gross. Okay, so this is all, it's National Citizens Against Police Harassment, Police Against Citizen Harassment Day. So C-A-P-H-P-A-C-H. I guess it's just like anti-harassment. By the police? By the police and by citizens. So this is the question. Is it like they're against harassing citizens or they are against being harassed by citizens? Well, if it's the latter, I will not be observing. Yeah. But if it's just the former, then good. Yeah. Anyways, a cab. Yeah. <laughs> it's National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. You can observe that comfortably. I, w- 
I'm comfortable with observing that one. Yeah, not a controversial one. That's fine. It is Trial Technology Day, which I, it doesn't explain what that means. I think it means like if you like beta test stuff, it's a day to celebrate Uh, that. IDK. Hmm. And then last, but certainly not least, one that I assume nobody globally will be observing. It is VCR Day. Yeah. How long has it been since you've had a VCR in your house? I think my parents had one up. Like that, my parents had like a DVD VHS combo player for like probably until like 2013, but that was because it was a combo player. And then around that time, they upgraded to a Blu ray, and like maybe it was in the basement, but it wasn't getting a lot of use anymore. I feel like I saw a screenshot recently where someone was like, This is the adult test on my kids' device, and it was like, Confirm you're over 18 or something. It was like, What does a VCR do? And then you had to like check a box. That's a meme, Lindsay. That's not real. It wasn't real. Are you no, serious? I think we need to we need to work on your media literacy. That is for sure not real. <laughs> That's so funny because someone had posted, I think, in the RITP group, and they were like, "I feel personally attacked by this or something by this thing on my kid's device." I was like, "What?" I Ugh. just I don't I don't That's know so funny. that to me just seems like something that is not real. It sounds not real. No, because also that. at this point in time, like 18-year-olds might not know <laughs> what a VCR True. is. Like, like I, I feel like we are on the young end of people who would know what a VCR is. <laughs> oh, I, I'm really sorry. If it is real, I'm, I apologize for telling you your media literacy is poor. I mean, it's probably getting worse by the minute. <laughs> Did you know they had to bring back the House Hippo ads like, and modernize them because people's media literacy is so bad these days? I mean, I feel like it's a great ad. It is a great ad. Seems to have done more to make people think House Hippos are real than to teach them to question what is on TV. The first, I vividly remember the first time I saw the House Hippo ad because at the end it goes, you knew that couldn't be true. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I knew. I, I thought it was real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was also like five. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a lot of people thought it was real and they were supposed to be learning like, oh, yeah, like you knew, right? And it's like, no, I didn't. It's like, I guess it was too good to be true because they're so stinking adorable. (laughs) They like peanut butter toast crumbs. And they like to make a little nest out of lint (laughs) and lost socks. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. But yeah, they brought it back. Good. Good. I think I was listening to the Ready to be Petty podcast recently and she was talking about how like a study about how like 50% of adults can tell when something's an ad now. 50%. Yeah, because they're making ads like look more and more like just normal content that you see. So if you're on TikTok, like Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll start watching a TikTok and I'm like, hmm. And then I look at the bottom and it says sponsored. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I I did know that it was an ad, but it looks so much like every other piece of content you're consuming that it's like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I would just like to say as well, um, BoJack Wiki page for this episode In February of 2021, someone goes, I wonder if the COVID pandemic was canon in the universe. Otherwise, Penny would be wearing a mask at Rattlesnakes if this really took place April, May of 2020. The person had to reply, the pandemic hadn't happened when the episodes were written. So no. Oh my God. Because this came out in January of 2020, obviously. Oh my God. It's so weird that they didn't anticipate this. 
Like, uh, yeah, I can't believe that RB Dub <laughs> didn't have some sort of, like, crystal ball to tell him that there was a global pandemic coming that would canonically coincide with his <laughs> final episodes of BoJack Horseman. Ridiculous. That's so funny. <laughs> Why'd they skip that part? There's just too much. Yeah, people are ridiculous. Absolutely. Like, just absolutely. Anyway, so good damage. Good damage. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I think of this episode... It pops to my head quite quickly when I think about season six as being one of the good ones of like, your damage is part of your story and it's what makes you beautiful and you fill in the cracks with gold. And I just think it's so good. And I love the throwback to kind of the stupid piece of shit artwork, but updated for Diane. And I just love everything about it. I think it's so, so well done and tragic, but also very beautiful. Yes. What we're getting now is just such an honest, open look at depression, but from such a different way than how they explore it with BoJack. Like, I don't know anybody who has been on some sort of antidepressant who has not just gone off of it for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, like, if you know someone who just, like, gets the antidepressant and takes it and then goes off of it at the, under the supervision of their doctor, and that's all you know, Wow. <laughs> the mentally ill people I know, we, including myself, we be going off antidepressants without proper supervision all yeah. the time. Yeah, no, I definitely know people who have done this and definitely not the recommended strategy, but what a, a lot of people do. And like we, we talked last time or in a previous episode about sometimes it's really hard to find one that works for you and people do drastic things like not taking it or deciding I don't need this or I don't like how it makes me feel and you don't actually have to feel shitty. You can there are other options. It's the it's the way I was on Prozac for over a year and then I was like, "No. I'm going to stop." Just stopped. That's not yeah. right. Don't do that. Do do as I say, not as I do. Do not do that. And yeah, finding an antidepressant that works for you is so hard and there are so many that will not work for you and it may take a long time to find the one that does but keep trying and keep trying under the supervision of a medical professional because they have a degree in all of that and we don't Mm -hmm. unless you of course do in which case still (laughs) talk to your doctor because you can't be your own doctor so that's right yeah (laughs) it's okay if it takes a while to find something that helps and being on medication does not mean that you quote need drugs for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life it just means your brain doesn't make something it's supposed to make and so Mm -hmm. you're gonna have pills to help you like would you tell someone who needed thyroid pills that they're on drugs for the rest of their life no would you tell Mm -hmm. someone diabetic who needs insulin that they are on drugs for the rest of their life no you wouldn't so Please be kinder to yourself and and think about your brain the same way as you do the rest of your body. Yeah. And I think they do such a good job with this episode. It feels very real to me that Diane would be like, no, I can't access this because I don't like how I'm feeling because of the drugs and like wanting to blame how she's feeling on these meds and then feeling so much worse and like needing a lot of support to find something that works for her and I think they did in the last episode where we saw Diane had started taking them it was like oh that's nice she started but I think this does a good job of showing kind of the other side of like it's not perfect always right away and that's okay you can keep working on it and figure it out and figure out what works for you I think for people who are neurodivergent and have mental illnesses, obviously I can't speak for anyone who's not in those camps because God, imagine a brain that works the way it's (laughs) supposed to work. But it's not a linear 
journey of, mm-hmm. oh, I feel bad and now I'm going to do little steps every day and it's the like 1% a day and yeah. at the end of the year you're 300% you're perfect. better. It's like, okay, this is helping. Oh, now I feel really bad. Now like it's it's gonna have hills and valleys and it's really hard. And part of healing is growing to understand that even though something doesn't work perfectly right away, it's still not a waste of your time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, not to belabor this too long, but Diane does a lot of, oh, I'm sorry that I'm being so difficult. And like, it must be so hard for you guy to support me like this. And he's just there just helping and being supportive. And I think that that's so important to recognize that like, yeah, sometimes you're going to need a little extra help and that's okay. Well, and that's like with relation, like part of having a partner is that Mm -hmm. you help each other in those those times. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like if, if guy wasn't willing to help her, he would not be meant to be her partner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So good stuff. Yes. So the episode starts with Diane and Guy at a Chicago Baby Humans game. And this is where the one of the bits of the episode of everything being Chicago style comes in because he suggests you try a Chicago style baked potato. <laughs> is that a real thing? I don't know. It's probably just a baked potato now. I'm Googling it. Chicago style baked potato. It doesn't seem to be a thing. It might be double baked potatoes. Okay. Don't they have those in other places? Which I think exist everywhere. I'm seeing on the BoJack Reddit, someone made a Chicago-style baked potato. It has a hot dog in it. Oh, my. So Diane gets the Chicago-style baked potato. She's annoyed that everything has to be Chicago-style, but she notices that the fork and knife are individually wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. Yes, and maybe it's because this sports team is owned by a CEO of Plastico, and so this is part of a money laundering scheme, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's like, no, Diane is on antidepressants now, and that's okay. But maybe it's because you're eating a baked potato at a baseball stadium, <laughs> and they're not like, what, you expect them to give you silverware rolled in a cloth and napkin? I, I don't understand what you're looking for. Yeah, it looked sort of like they were each separately packaged, maybe. And maybe she was looking for like a knife and fork in one thing. I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like normally they would be individually packaged. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you can sometimes get that little package that's like a knife and a fork and a napkin and a little wet nap or whatever. Yeah, but then it'll have like a spoon too. And then she'd be mad there's extra plastic Mm -hmm. of the spoon. You don't need a spoon. You're wasting a spoon. Now you're wasting a spoon's worth. I don't know. We don't like, I'm not like pro-plastic here. I just am like. (laughs) Kirsten's in the pocket of big plastic. (laughs) Listen, maybe. You know, I can be bought. No, not by big plastic. Damn it. Okay. They watch They watch the game and she's like, go baby humans, which I thought she Mm -hmm. thought the team was problematic, but yet she went to the game. So Mm -hmm. it's, I've noticed you have a problem with society and yet you are participating in society, Diane. Yes, it's part of this Diane antidepressant style montage where she's just like letting everything go because this is the new her that just lets things go. But the, that is that, that's not what it has to be. No, definitely not. You can still speak out against things that you disagree with. But I think this is trying to show just her being much more okay with everything and not taking things so seriously. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, complicated. <laughs> it's complicated, and it made me kind of upset because it's just like Diane minimizing her feelings yet again mm-hmm. because she's now acting like all of her opinions, thoughts, actions are like pathologized into her depression, and it's just sad. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm hoping the way that I read it was that they're trying to sort of set it up as like, look, this is the new Diane, and it's like, oh, but she's still really struggling with 
writing and she still has some of the same challenges that she had before and these are not a cure-all for everything. Yes, exactly. So then we see Guy comes into the room, says good morning, asks Diane if she wants to go to a museum. She's like, oh, but I've got to work on my book. Like, I'll go with you next time. He decides to play video games, leaves the room. (laughs) And then she just like stares at her laptop until it's night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was good where he's like, great, I've made my romantic gesture. I'm a good boyfriend. I'm going to go play video games all day now. You know what? If that's what makes him happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not bugging Diane, then that's that's great. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. He went and he checked to make sure there was nothing better to do. And now he's spending his time the way he wants to. So, I, I feel like people uh, get really like, mm, video game. What an adult man playing video games. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, let people enjoy their lives. <laughs> like, why are you trying to ruin everything for everyone? <laughs> I feel like I definitely have some issue with it when it's because I feel like so many people that I hear about are like oh and then I like have to cook and clean and do everything for my partner and he's just in here like oh no I can't pause it and it's like okay yes then that oh is yes no that is a problem and I've in fact lived that life yes big same but <laughs> someone who like enjoys video games it's yeah. it, it's not necessarily just a bad thing like I play video games exactly so. we enjoy video games and are very functional adults Sort of. No, I don't know if I'd say very <laughs> functional, but that's very kind of you. So yeah, we see Diane writing through a bunch of sketches, and it. I thought it was very funny, just the way like the parts where the writing is very bad, and it's like fixed mm-hmm. later. Yeah, I loved this too. So they have Diane being like, I don't know, she's trying to write her essays, and she's doing it in the very placeholdery format that I'm very familiar with. But she's doing lots of like, come with both examples of dad being unsupportive. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, can I use Chrissy Keating's real name? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we, we get to see some of the characters we're more familiar with, with, you know, Bojack asking to be in the book, Todd saying he broke a bowl, Mr. Peanut Butter mm-hmm. saying he fixed the salad bowl with gold because of the Japanese art of Kintsugi. And then we see like a Google search of Kintsugi. The bowl fell apart. Diane's like, oh, like our marriage. Mm-hmm. Is any of this anything? I love how it eventually always turns into caps lock screaming. I mean, is anything, is it anything? And then we see that her like writing actually brought a call from Bojack where Diane is writing at the food court and talking to Bojack. And it's Bojack inviting her to the end of semester showcase for his students. Mm-hmm. Which he frames as it's definitely going to suck, but he still wants her to come. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she said, and she says she'll go. This is where we get Diane explaining why she works at the mall. And I think it makes total sense because you don't want like pure quiet, mm-hmm. but you want to be able to sit like all day. Yeah. And if you go to a coffee shop, eventually they're going to get frustrated with you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Bojack asks if he's going to be in the book, which I thought was very funny, considering he absolutely hated the book that Diane wrote (laughs) about him. And Diane's like, I've written about you enough. Yeah, I can't remember what the joke is that she makes here where she says something about 49 and then she says something about a boy band. She's like, yeah, you know, 98 degrees, 49 is half of 98. And he's like, don't workshop your material during casual conversation, Diane. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. I do think Diane, so like... I understand the point of what she's going for, where she wants to write about her childhood and her previous traumas and all this. But I feel like if she started with 
very low-hanging fruit. There's so much content she could write about, about just being married to Mr. Peanut Butter and working with Bojack and how much he sucks and how challenging that was and even just what that was like. She doesn't even have to dig into all the shit. She could just talk about those things. And then she, like her time on Filbert, she's had an interesting last few years. I don't think she needs to be torturing herself over like, was my dad supporting me at this stage of the process? Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is like, a lot of the things that have happened to her recently have been triggering to her because of mm-hmm. things that happened to her in her past. So if she yep. starts just writing about her recent, more recent life, mm-hmm. it's going to bring up those memories and make it easier to write about her past trauma. I, like, very deeply relate to Diane in this because I feel like I've always felt that there's a, there's a book there if I were to talk mm-hmm. about my my mom's family and my mom and my and like a lot of the things that I've experienced like I don't really talk about them on podcasts that much but it's like a lot of like really fucked up stuff has happened to me mm-hmm. and I I feel like there's a book there but I've just yeah. never been able to sit down and write even one word of it I've just kind of had it in the back of my mind that like one day I would like to write a book and so I really like very much connect to Diane on this me too and I, I think especially so later on she's gonna we're gonna get this sketchy flashback stuff again where she's like oh well like you had a pretty good life and I think that that's something that probably what you're describing and to some extent what I have experienced in thinking, could I write any of this down? I think we're super reluctant to not minimize what we've been through where unless, you know, you survived a war or something, you're like, I haven't really been traumatized. No one's going to think this is interesting. And I think we sort of downplay the importance of these sort of mundane day-to-day traumas of like, you think that you'd didn't experience anything unless it was something huge and I think that's what Diane's doing here where absolutely she had a neglectful shitty dad and that's like a trauma of her and like horrible brothers and horrible brothers and like her mom never took her side like she Mm -hmm. like like if she wrote about like the prom date thing Mm -hmm. yeah and she was growing up as a Vietnamese American woman in a place that had very few (laughs) Vietnamese people and like that whole experience all of these things are real and definitely would affect a person write about your brothers turning your dad into chum that's a story (laughs) like sorry yeah no all these things I just think like we're also reluctant to actually acknowledge the things that happened to us and as soon as we start trying to own those things the imposter syndrome sets in and you're like nope this isn't anything I didn't actually go through anything that hard ugh We've all been through it. Stop, stop mm-hmm. minimizing your trauma, everybody. Exactly. Okay. So now we jump back to Max and Paige Sinclair. They are still hot on the trail of their story, and they are still in New Mexico. We get another scene of Paige talking to her fiancé on the payphone, which I just think is so funny. She's still in her wedding gown. Yes, I love it so much. And I've contacted three out of the four Penny Carsons in New Mexico, and they're looking for the last one and hoping that she'll be the right one. She'll be the lucky one. Haha, mm-hmm. get it? A lucky penny? <laughs> exactly. Kisses, dear. It appears we found our dear. Oh, so good. So they <laughs> then it goes back to Diane at the mall, and we're seeing more of her rough draft. She sees people moving into going into a store called Trauma that is having a spring sale. We then see Diane go into the store for the spring sale. She's trying on a tube top. It does not fit. Very relatable, also, to have like some sort of change in your body. You go to a store, and then you're like, I don't know what size is going to fit onto this body. And when she goes to ask for a larger size, which is like absolutely the right thing, I feel like a lot of people. It's very hard to get past the point of like, I will just buy my normal size and it will work, damn it, to be like, I need this in a larger size because clothes Mm -hmm. 
are meant to fit you, not you fitting clothes. Mm-hmm. And then you just shame yourself every time you put that thing on because you're like, it doesn't fit the way I want it to or the way it used to fit. Just buy a bigger size. It's fine. Again, clothes fits on you. You do not fit into clothes. No matter what stupid Kim Kardashian has to say about Marilyn Monroe's dress, which by the way, <laughs> even after her crash diet still didn't fit her and she lied. Oh, these people. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that, Lindsay? No. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to make me mad. <laughs> so for the Met Gala, do you know what the Met Gala is? Yes. Okay. So for the Met Gala this year, the theme was like gilded glamour. And mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian wore the dress that Marilyn Monroe wore to saying happy birthday to the president. Right. But in order to do so, Kim Kardashian had to like lose 16 pounds in two weeks. That's not a safe thing to and do. And then, like, talked about how she lost the weight to, in order to fit into the dress because it was a piece of history. The dress could not be altered. Mm-hmm. And so she had to alter her body to wear this dress to the Met Gala. But then mm-hmm. it comes out that the dress was clipped in the back. Uh, that's why she was wearing a jacket. And it didn't even fit after all of that. And she lied and said it fit, making it even <laughs> worse. Very damaging. Very damaging yeah. stuff here. Oh, my God. Why? Why are you perpetuating this bullshit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... What, a Kardashian sharing unrealistic body expectations? Interesting. That's never yeah. happened before. Imagine, imagine. Sorry to to bring that up, Lindsay. Uh, anyways, back to trauma. <laughs> Diane asks for a larger size, and the sales associate is like, mm, we don't use clothing sizes. Like, we don't associate our size with a number. Yeah, it would help if you figure out why you need to put a number on your body first. Well, and it's like, okay, so do they? is it just like a one-size-fits-all store, like a Brandy Melville? Or is it like, mm-hmm. just like... Pick a shirt and see if it fits. Yeah, which is kind of what it sounds like. I also enjoyed, as they're getting into this, where Diane, again, is thinking about her history and she's like doing that thing I think we all do where it's like you get too in the weeds where she's like, to understand what it's like to grow up in Boston, you have to go back to the Boston Tea Party. It's like, stop it, Diane. You're distracting yourself with unnecessary details. Except I love the scene where they have the Boston Tea Party because Mm -hmm. it's just like ultra modern like boston accents yeah. uh, like <laughs> i'm teabagging the hava <laughs> yeah taxation without representation is whack <laughs> yeah. yeah what does he say it's a uh, wicked unjust bro yeah wicked unjust <laughs> so good but yeah so diane is just like annoyed and is like fine i'll put my own shirt back on i will not buy anything today but she gets called by princess carolyn who is very happy about how successful she is right now birthday dad is a huge hit you know, she's doing a great job of, with her work-life balance, so she needs more work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's when we get Diane saying, like, am my book's going to be about trauma or damage, like those bowls that get filled with gold or something like that. Is that anything? Princess Carolyn is like, well, can you please get something for the publisher? It has been six months. So this is where we get a sense that it, six months have passed. Mm-hmm. Yes, they said something about like the biggest rating since the inventor of blood-scented perfume went on Shark Tank and got her arm bitten off. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Not that. Not that, yeah. But send me the pages, Diane. Yeah, come on. Get those pages done. It's in six months. In New Mexico, Max and Paige have gone to eat at Penny's Diner in her section. And they start like badgering her about Sarah Lynn and Bojack. Which I feel like mm-hmm. it's not the way to have this. Co- like, if they had started slower, it would have been a much more successful interview. Yeah, that's the thing. Where 
Paige Sinclair is supposed to be this incredible reporter. And obviously, she gets results and people know her as being really good. But this sort of ambush style, how often does this actually work? I can't imagine that this does get good stories out of people. Yeah, I think it was a missed opportunity to make Paige Sinclair a badger, like a literal badger. Mm, nice. um, I think that, w- that would have been very funny. So there, there's my note to RB Dub. Go back in time, <laughs> change your show, reanimate it. I know that's a lot of work, but it's it'll be worth it. What if she is a pig because she's like sniffing around finding the like truffles of a story or something? I mean, yeah, but like she's not. <laughs> Mm-mm. She's so she's like not subtle. I don't know. Yeah, I guess like, like a, a sledgehammer. <laughs> pig is also not subtle. They just like yeah. run in a pack until they find what they need. I don't know. Yeah, just Anyways, <laughs> I just think a badger would have been funny. Lindsay had to go and make what actually exists seem smart. So <laughs> congratulations on ruining things once again. <laughs> They have some really good lines. I feel like your appreciation for Paige and Max has made me appreciate them more. Where They're have, so funny. Yeah, I think I was remembering them as being just so over the top. And now I'm like, oh, there's so, there so many good lines where they're like, speaking of sense, what happened to Penny? Like, oh, so good. Uh, they're just See, they're just so funny. And my enjoyment of them has made you enjoy them more. So you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Penny gets the hell out of there. Yeah, Penny like gets her car and leaves. And they're like, ugh, okay, well, let's go follow her. Yeah, because she drops a tidbit where she's like, is this about Bojack? And they're like, ooh, is it about Bojack? <laughs> Not that. Yeah. <laughs> so back in Chicago, Diana's like trying to show her first draft to Guy, but then she just like is being very like the way all creatives are like, oh, I don't know if this is good. I don't know if people are going to like it. Like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And Diane says that because of her antidepressants, she can't remember like what has happened in her life and in what order and guy is like but your mood is so much better and Mm -hmm. then diane goes on like a little rant about how her antidepressants make her she's feeling clearer but then she doesn't remember anything and everything is hard and she's foggy and guy's like how are you clear and foggy at the same time Mm -hmm. which like true but maybe not the time Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I think he's he's trying to make her understand that these are good for you and you shouldn't just go off your meds. And she's saying like, oh, I need to get to a dark place and I can't get there. And it's the fault of the meds, even though she definitely was already struggling when she was not on the meds. It turns out writing is hard. Yeah, turns out writing very hard. Who knew? It's not so easy. So then we get another scene of her writing at the mall, trying to remember Again, like, find examples of your dad, like, being abusive, basically. And remember when he made me lose Boggle on purpose? And, like, that's your trauma? That's it? She's like, I know there was a lot of other stuff. I just can't remember it. Well, and I mean, depending on the circumstances, the Boggle thing actually could be really traumatic, right? Who knows? Exactly, yeah. Because, like, the point of the story is that he didn't want her brothers to feel stupider than a girl or something like that. Yeah, like, that's messed up. It's uh, To me, it's strange that that family even owned Boggle. Yeah, true. It seems too educational. Yeah. So then while she's having all these memories, she gets like a spark of inspiration, like genuine inspiration of a fictional character named Ivy Tran, who is a food court detective. And it is Mm -hmm. so every little like memory of like not memory, like little thought of Ivy Tran just like is so bright and sunshiny. And I love it. 
I love it too. So all through this, we have her with these very intense sketches that are just scribbles and they're all screaming at each other and it's everything's very kind of monstrous and scary and it, all in kind of black and white ink drawings. And then all of a sudden we get Ivy Tran and she's full color, fully formed. She's just this incredible cartoon character where it's like, oh no, Diane, this is something and you have found a fully formed idea and you really need to follow this. Exactly. So cute. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's so fleshed out. Like she's been struggling all this time to come up with even one sentence that she can figure out for her book and then it's like i just moved here from california and the winters are really cold and it feels weird to be living in this new reality and also my dad moved me here and this whole thing and she's just she's got something here yeah it's like the ball is fun or beast which is something that young people say and yes. a, a moose comes out of a store and it's like are you ivy tran she's like that's me ivy t food court detective and uh, he's like, oh, if I don't find who's like shoplifting, my manager is going to put my he- head on the wall. And she's like, yeah, managers can be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It reminds me of lots of very fun middle grade genre. I feel like there are all yeah. kinds of these really fun books that are clearly targeted at young girls. And I think it's so much fun. And she's doing a really great job. Yes. And so Ivy Tran is voiced by Maya Erskine. Erskine? Erskine. I don't know. And I, she's so fun. She is in, I guess, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi TV miniseries. Oh, a Star Wars. A few episodes of Bob's Burgers, Pen15. I'm looking for just like longer term ones. She was in a TV show called Casual, which I've never heard of. She was in the Wet Hot American Summer 10 Years Later miniseries. She's in Insecure as Diane. Which oh. I know now. Haha, <laughs> in your face, Chappelle. Yeah, she's done quite a lot of stuff. I don't think I would like know her face instantly but or even her voice, but she's good. Yeah, yeah, very fun. Very, and very Guy fun. thinks that this story is really fun too. It's just like uh, such an infectious, positive energy, the whole, yeah. the whole thing. And Guy is like, yes, this is so much fun. And he seems so so genuine about it, too, where he clearly thinks this is very fun and there's potential here. And I love his support of this story. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, maybe write this rather mm-hmm. than the, like, sad bummer book that you were hoping to write, which, like, isn't how he phrases it. But Diane is upset because this came so easily, but she wants to write, like, a treatise on damage and she can't even access her damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's like, maybe it's just because I'm a shitty writer. Maybe it's nothing to do with my medication or otherwise. It's just that I'm a shitty writer. And he's like, what? No, like, he's this like, no, is but good. This is so good. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, I'm not writing the mall mysteries of Ivy Tran, which is like such a good name for a series. So good. You can tell that there are going to be like 15 books of this. At least. <laughs> they're like, going to be is, a hit. This is the type of book Diane will write 15 of them. They will be beloved. They will get ghostwriters to write mm-hmm. in her name like a Nancy Sweet Drew, Sweet Valley High, Trixie <laughs> Belden. Like, so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it really, yeah. really reminds me. Did you ever read Trixie Belden when you were growing up. I think Trixie Belden is really before our time. Most of them are published, I think, in like the 50s and 60s. But my mom had a lot of them from when she was a kid. And I grew up reading them. And they are, it's like a younger group of detectives than Nancy Drew. Like Nancy Drew, she's like basically an adult already in the books. Like she's like 18 or so. Oh my gosh, I didn't know she was so old. Yeah, she because she's like young, but she like can drive and has a boyfriend and like she lives with her dad, but it like comes across as like it's just because she's not married kind of thing. Right. <laughs> and the the mysteries are a little like they're they're still written for young girls and teenagers to enjoy. But Trixie Belden is like, 
I would say more written for like an eight to 12 year old to enjoy and the mysteries are Mm -hmm. so entertaining and it's just this like group of teens that solve mysteries and there's like the Belden family is involved and they're like the poorer family in the farmhouse and then there's like their rich neighbor (laughs) Honey Wheeler moves in and then Honey and Trixie become best friends because they both love horses and it just like is this huge sweeping series that I've read probably 50 of. I feel like I've asked you this before but did you ever read The Amazing Days of Abby Hayes? I did not. No. So that was my sort of equivalent of this. It was not about a mystery at all, but it was like this girl in exactly this sort of mm-hmm. age group and she has a diary and she writes in it with a purple pen and so all the ink in it was like in purple anytime she was writing in her diary. And nice. it was just like these incredibly low stake adventures <laughs> about friendship and being in middle school. And this reminded me so much of that where it's very fun and you can tell there are going to be a million books. I love that. Yeah, Trixie Bolton, she solves actual crimes and the police are like, you got to stop because you're putting yourself in danger. <laughs> yes. Like in the third book, she finds a di- like a diamond thief uh, and like solves like a jewel heist, like heist. crime ring. It's it's yeah, it's very good. I yeah. I think I, I put a lot of my personality towards having read um, Trixie Belt. I'm wondering if anyone else has read them because yeah, I think I it's it's like a more niche version of Nancy Drew. And like, yes, I read Nancy Drew also, but it's like this mm-hmm. is a, a little a little more niche. And I think that's why the Ivy Trans stuff like in a, like it's written in the show to be such a bright light and this amazing mm-hmm. thing that Diane is writing. But on top of that, I feel like I'm projecting my own like happy memories of being like sick and my mom reading me a Trixie Belden like novel like uh, 200 pages like reading the whole thing to me like while I'm sick in bed like Mm -hmm. it's just putting a lot of like happy memories over top of it yeah so good and guys really encouraging her to write this he's like I'm gonna say to you what I said to my good friend Eileen Eileen come on come on (laughs) I love that I love making come on Eileen jokes. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I like that song a lot. I worked with an older lady named Eileen when I was in high school and I was Ah. like, come on, Eileen. (laughs) She must get that all the time. (laughs) I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. She was the nicest lady. But yes. So guys like, okay, think about it. And that's how that conversation is left. We see Diane is going to pick up her medication at the pharmacy. But she gets a call from Princess Carolyn that everyone's really excited about, like, a movie adaptation of her book, but she needs to send it in the pages. And mm-hmm. at this moment, the pharmacist calls out Diane's last name, but she left and didn't pick up her prescription. Yeah, this is really rough because she you can tell that she's sort of thinking about maybe it's okay for me to pursue writing this because Guy was so into it. And then as soon as she talks to Princess Carolyn, Princess Carolyn's like, no, sad is the new fun. Sad is what makes it you. And Diane's like, oh, really? And she's like, yes, definitely. Like, pursue that sad book. And it's a thing where she hasn't told Princess Carolyn that she has this other thing Mm -hmm. actually written and could send pages. So Princess Carolyn is doing her manager thing of Mm -hmm. let me big you up so that you are like feeling good about what you're going to do not knowing that there's this other project that like even before princess carolyn finds out about it we all know princess carolyn would be more excited about ivy tran than like trauma (laughs) of course (laughs) yes like look at how good birthday dad is doing true (laughs) that's a great point so then we go back to new mexico and penny gets into her parents house like and the reporters are, are there like two seconds after because they followed yeah. her home. And I really love this whole thing where Paige is like, if you didn't want to be found, you should have been more judicious with your turn signal. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. A lady never declares her intentions. <laughs> <laughs> 
so funny. But it's also like, she didn't expect to be followed home from work. And I don't think she should be victim blamed for that, Paige. And for driving safely. (laughs) Yeah, use your turn signal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And they basically say that we think Bojack had something to do with the death of Sarah Lynn. And we want to know about it. Uh, And Charlotte's like, "Mm, no, don't talk to them. (laughs) Like, absolutely not. Yeah, and this is, like, we kind of find out here that Penny never told Charlotte that Bojack and Sarah Lynn showed up at her school because she says something to the effect of, yeah, I saw them. And Charlotte's like, what? Like, yeah, I never why, knew that. Why didn't you tell me that? It's, like, obviously Penny has had a lot of mental health issues since her high school prom. And mm-hmm. Charlotte is just trying to protect and take care of her daughter. Because I'm assuming, like, Charlotte must feel so much guilt for not being able to prevent what happened. Like, in one way, she prevented it from going all the way, but she didn't prevent it from happening. And mm-hmm. I have to imagine she carries immense guilt for that. Yeah, and we'll see later in the episode, she says, I made so many mistakes and I'm trying to make up for those, but I am just doing my best, basically. And she definitely feels guilty that she brought this man into Penny's life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. Like, she didn't know. She didn't know what she was bringing in. No, how could you? <laughs> Like, how, how would you be able to know that? Like, you wouldn't talk to that person if you thought that's what they were going to do. Or if they were capable of that. Penny is like, listen, I'm not a little kid. Let's tell the reporters about what happened with Maddie. And Paige is like, who's that? Like, tell mm-hmm. us more. And she talks about the prom situation and Maddie getting alcohol poisoning. Mm-hmm. And, like, everyone that has heard this story so far, like, in the case of... Hollyhock talking to Pete Repeat. Everyone just seems horrified by this idea that he was living at their house. And yeah. I, I think they got so distant from it or too close to it or something where they couldn't see that that part was weird. And everyone who hears it is like, wait, he was living there? That's weird. Well, and that's the thing, too, where it's like, I feel like it's totally normal for a family friend to be mm-hmm. there. But like Bojack and Charlotte hadn't talked in like 20 years. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. It's strange like that he just, just showed up and moved in to their house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But also, he was welcomed into the home too, where they because they thought he was a friend. Mm-hmm. They didn't know yeah. the extent of how bad he was. So it's like, at the end of the day, yes, it was weird, but it was still Bojack's fault, not anybody yes. else's. Exactly. Yep. But yeah, everyone's like, mm, he was living there weird Mm -hmm. then kyle comes in and is like oh are we having a party and charlotte makes it the quickest lie ever that this woman in a wedding gown and man in like a three-piece suit are from the refrigerator repair company yeah he's like oh we actually need to fix the mini fridge like two refrigerators in one house like oh my god give my regards to the rockefellers bye which is very funny Mm -hmm. yeah and they leave a business card just in case they have anything they want to add I like that joke a lot about the Rockefellers because I feel like anytime someone suggests anything that I perceive as being expensive, I'll be like, who am I, a Romanov? Which I think I've said <laughs> on this podcast. You have. I think that's what led, led to our Anastasia conversation. I mean, one of. <laughs> one of several, yes. But yes, so they leave and we go back to Diane. And she is Mm -hmm. in bed trying to work on the book. And Guy comes in whistling. And let me tell you, depressed or not, do not whistle around me. Absolutely not. Cam's big whistler. It's a problem. I wear my headphones a lot. (laughs) I would, that would be like a a breakup offense (laughs) for me. Noise canceling headphones are really important to our relationship. But (laughs) I heard on a podcast recently, someone said, 
whistling is only enjoyable to the person who is whistling and I really that resonated oh god I I I grew up really hating whistling because my mom really hated whistling and I guess when she was younger she was on a family road trip and her uncle not only whistled all the time but played like a tape in the car of whistle like whistling songs (laughs) And so she just like, like, there was no whistling in my house because of that. So now when I hear like a whistle, I'm like, ugh, what was that? Hazel also really hates whistling. And she always says that she feels like she can't say anything because people are making this like joyous noise. And she's like, stop it. Listen. (laughs) It's like, it makes you seem like you're the one being unreasonable. I think you could be like, hey, that's an annoying sound. Why don't you tell Mm -hmm. me about what you're happy about instead of this? Yeah. I love Diane calling it shit whistling. Yes. That's how I feel about all whistling. She couldn't sleep last night. She's having a hard time. And he's like, just keep going with your work. Like, it's it's going to be okay. And when he comes back, the whole day has passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just seems so overwhelmed and just instantly starts crying and then has to run into the bathroom to throw up. And she's just really having a hard time. Yeah. She's crying. She throws up in the plant. Guy is like, like, there's so many drains in there. <laughs> It's very weird to throw up in the plant, I, I will admit. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. but you know what? She's not feeling well. It happens. Guy suggests stopping for the day. Like, let's start tomorrow. She's like, no, I have to get back to work. But she, like, instantly gets overwhelmed and starts breathing really hard, hyperventilating mm-hmm. a little bit. And Guy comes in and is like, what is going on? And she's like, my chest is heavy. She's crying. And she admits that she has stopped taking her medication. Yeah, this is really bad. And she's basically just like, I'm trying to focus and I'm not interesting and I'm unworthy of love and my damage isn't useful at all. And like, there is a whole thing in her head too where she's like, oh, like you're charming at first, but eventually it's enough already. Like you're the one constant here and I'm the problem. And I just like, I just want to hold her and grab her and be like, Diane, if you could only see yourself the way the guy sees you and understand Mm -hmm. that what you're saying and how you're acting is just a side effect of a sickness that you have. And it doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you are bad or anything of the sort. It just means you need help and support. And that's okay. Yeah. And the way she says it here is so heartbreaking where she says, this is terrible and it's so much worse than before. And it's like, of course it is. Like, you stop taking your meds. Don't She's do that. She's probably got like, brain zaps going on too. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, not only do you have your standard depression that you always have, you also are now going through this additional major hardship on your brain and body. Oh, it's so sad. And then this is where she says, like, what? Am I just going to have to be on drugs forever? And it's like, it's not mm-hmm. drugs. Mm-hmm. And it's also, she says, you know, my book is the only thing that matters. And Guy's like, mm, don't think that's true. And he's like, why don't you just not? You don't have to do this. It's fine. Yeah. He's like, how about you get back on your meds, you get feeling good, and then we will come up with a new strategy. Mm-hmm. Just so Yeah, nice. I love that. He's so supportive. Good stuff from Guy here. He's just like, okay, let's like get you to a better, more stable spot. And then we'll think through how to make this even better. This doesn't, let's just get it to a spot where it's manageable. And then we'll go even further than manageable. But like, let's get to a spot where you're feeling stable first and we will get through this. Yeah, very much like let's go one step at a time. Let's mm-hmm. not like catastrophize. Let's yeah. Let's just do what we yeah. can and it is going to be okay. No good decisions are going to get made when she is in this full on panicky state. And so like let's just get you stabilized. Like let me wrap you in a blanket. Let's put you to bed. Mm-hmm. I'll go pick up your prescription. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. He tells her she's a beautiful salad bowl. 
well, because he also doesn't really understand, like, because she starts, mm-hmm. like, crying about wanting to be a beautiful salad bowl, and he does not know what she's talking about, but he yeah. still, like, just buys into it, and he's like, no, you are. You're a beautiful salad bowl. Mm-hmm. Very good. We could all learn from Guy in this situation. Yep. Because the thing is, is, like, no matter who you are, you definitely know someone who has depression. Um, mm-hmm. You definitely do. Like, it is not this, like, small thing that only a few people suffer from. And Mm -hmm. so being patient and kind with your friends and loved ones and family like this is something that all of us can work on and be better at. Yeah, for sure. So then once she's starting to feel better after getting back on her meds, she says, all I need to do is just call Princess Carolyn and ask for more time. Mm -hmm. Um, She absolutely does, but could not have seen that in the moment. Yeah. And it's a thing, too. Like, I saw – I retweeted a tweet the other day that was, like, breaking news. Neurodivergent person realizes task they've been putting off for eight months takes five minutes. And it's, like, (laughs) very much in that strain. Mm -hmm. But Guy has to confess that when she was very down and not doing well, he sent Princess Carolyn the Ivy Tran food court detective pages. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. How do we feel about this? I feel like it's a sign of him being like, this is legitimately good. And I know she's going to be into this, but it does feel a bit invasive. Yeah. So I think up to this point, we've seen Guy be very good at, uh, you know, supporting Diane, being kind to her, looking out for her, that kind of thing. And I think it's very easy when you are in a bit of a caretaker role to start thinking that your reach and what is required of you is much bigger than it is. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that with all of the best intentions, Guy has gone way too far. He should not have done this. If anything, he should have Mm -hmm. called Princess Carolyn and been like, Hey, Diane needs some time off not hear something Diane wrote. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think it's one of these things where I think we always talk about often you just need to listen and support and not try to problem solve. And Guy usually is really, really good at that. But I think when someone you love is struggling that much, sometimes the desire to fix it and make it better for them can overwhelm your better judgment. And it seems like that's what happened here, where he was doing such a good job of just being supportive. And then he's like, you know what? I can fix this. Let me do this. And it's like, mm, that's not ideal. Yeah, exactly. Like, should not have done that. Um, but it all works out. <laughs> it does work out, but that doesn't that doesn't make it okay. Yeah. Which is, you know, th- yeah. this is like results-oriented thinking. All of the complicated things that we talk about on this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Diane gets the call from Princess Carolyn, who is in love with Ivy Trans. He's merchandise potential. It's going to be a fran- – it could be a whole franchise. There could be so many books and movies. Like, this could be a blockbuster. And Diane's mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to write this. And Princess Carolyn is a really uh, – is just, like, really, like, come on. I'm, I'm hearing a maybe. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a trans. Yes. We love it. Yeah, I love that when – so Diane sees that her phone is ringing and it's Princess Carolyn. She's like, oh, my God, what'd she do? What did you do? And then she answers the phone and Princess Carolyn doesn't even say hello. She just goes, loved it. Yeah, she loved it so much, which, like, anyone mm-hmm. – like, I would read those books. Yeah. Yeah, and she says, I didn't know you could write this fun. Like, this is good stuff from Diane. Yeah, and it's like, well, I thought you said sad was the new fun. And she's like, yeah, because I didn't know you could do this. Yeah, I love that it wasn't about your sad – stupid life or whatever sad boring life yeah that whatever that sad trauma book was this Mm -hmm. is way better and it's like oh my god and then guy after she hangs up guys like are we gonna have a boston style fight now (laughs) (laughs) 
Which is a good way of breaking the tension, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely breaks the tension, but also like, guy, you really did cross a line here. Mm-hmm. Then we go back into Diane's thoughts and it's kind of like the Ivy Tran like beautiful glowing animation talking to like the pencil sketch like upset Diane and Ivy's like just be fun and popular like me. Yeah she's just so colorful and awesome and she's like I have just enough vulnerabilities to make everybody relate to me but it's not so much that it's off-putting and this, this is just the way to be and maybe it's not that easy but wouldn't it be nice if it was? Wouldn't it be nice if it was? Mm -hmm. And what if you wrote a character for whom it was that easy and you just wrote this fun book? I love fun books. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love them. You look at my Goodreads and you're going to see romance novels. And I am not going to be made to feel bad about that. Nor should you. Reading romance novels is important, I think. Guess what? I'm still reading books. I read 58 books. books last year. And you're also reading books that are about situating women's pleasure and going after things that you want. And I think it's important not to put down these things. That's the patriarchy talking. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The, actually, the one I finished yesterday was set at like the time when Oxford first started accepting women. And this woman got accepted on a scholarship by like the suffragette movement. So she like had to volunteer for like trying to get women the right to vote. And it was really interesting. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) And you know what? I learned a lot because I found out when Oxford started accepting women. Yeah, more recent than you think, probably. (laughs) Yeah, it was like end of the 1800s. All of the other schools had accepted women much earlier. Oxford was the holdout because it was seen as a place of debauchery because of all the partying (laughs) that like the lords, the young lords would do there. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> right? Wild. It's the most prestigious school. And it was like, yeah, we can't have women there because there's way too much drinking and like <laughs> sex work happening. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So then we go to Wesleyan where they're at Bojack's showcase. So this is kind of filling in the gaps of last episode a little bit. And part of why I was confused and did not realize I'd watched two episodes of Bojack. Okay. True, because <laughs> we come back to this scene of like, yeah. I love when stories start like that. So deal, deal with it. So Diane is sitting with Todd and Ruthie for the showcase, which I thought that the whole point was that Ruthie was not supposed to be at the showcase to see that much desperation, <laughs> but it's fine. Have sure. a plot hole. Maybe it was before they had figured out their scenes or something, but now they're like acceptable to be seen. I guess. I guess. Mm. Oh, yeah, I guess it was the classroom that it was, like, so desperate. And eh, whatever. Princess Carolyn says, for many of them, this will be the height of their careers. Oof. I mean, not wrong, unfortunately. She asks, Todd asks Diane about how her book is going. And Diane goes, it's a funny story. And he's like, oh, I love when stories start like that. (laughs) Put this one in the book. And it's like, what? You're just sitting waiting for a show. And then I, I think we should just wrap up the Princess Carolyn and Diane of it all before we finish the episode. Does that work for you? Yep. So at the end of the showcase, Diane tries to talk to Princess Carolyn and says, you know, I appreciate that you're trying to help me, but I don't want to write a middle grade book. Like, I don't, if I don't write about my damage, like it wasn't good damage. It was just damage. I was miserable for so long and it will have been for nothing. Like she feels special because of what she's gone through. Yeah, she says like she always knew that she was going to do something with it and then it would make it all worth it. And if it's not worth anything and she's not going to write about it, then she could have just been happy this whole time and it wasn't for anything. And I think this idea of 
sort of righteous suffering is a very big thing in our yeah, culture. And, a lot of us I, I think it's a big problem. Try to make ourselves into martyrs for sure. Mm-hmm. And she's she's just like really and and I think it's the other thing too, where like we want the bad things that happen to us to be worth something, but it's like mm-hmm. if Diane goes through all of that hard stuff and what comes out of it is that she writes a really successful, bright, beautiful novel that makes young girls feel happy, mm-hmm. that's an amazing consequence of all the bad things she's gone through. She just can't see that it's related because it's not about the trauma. Totally. And I think there's this whole thing about having to work really hard and suffer for what you get and you have to earn all of your success through going through hardship. And it's like, no, you can deserve those things anyway. You don't have to suffer and have all these traumatic experiences just to deserve those things. You can have them anyway, and you do deserve them. Yeah. And Princess Carolyn says, you know, this middle grade book can accomplish your same goal. And I can Mm -hmm. see Ruthie reading a book like that when she's older, or if she doesn't like reading a multi-film franchise, (laughs) like that could be... Like, you could make girls, young girls, feel less alone in that way. And Diane's like, okay, fine. I'm going to write Ivy Tran. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she frames it as, I wanted to write a book about all of my sufferings that people would feel less alone. And Princess Carolyn's like, this book can do that, too. And she's like, yeah, fine. I love that. We're going to get some more Ivy Tran. Yeah. Love Ivy Tran, Food Court Detective, 10 out of 10 would read. Like, even now, (laughs) I would would, would read that. I don't care. Yeah, Ivy Tran. I'll write books written for children. There's nothing wrong with that. so back in new mexico penny like comes into the house to get something and like storms up and charlotte follows her and she pulls a box out from under her bed that has a photo from her prom night and she wanted to throw the picture out but she couldn't she thought she looked nice in the photo yeah i love this moment so much because she says i thought i looked nice and charlotte says yeah you looked beautiful and she says but i don't think that's the only reason i kept it and i think that that is very powerful and so nuanced where it's like this was a trauma for you and this was a really hard experience, but you couldn't quite bring yourself to let it go and not necessarily knowing why you couldn't throw that away. But having sort of complicated feelings about it, I think is very relatable. Yeah. And it's up to this point, you don't really see it. But Penny's Mm -hmm. storyline mirrors Diane's storyline of they've both Mm -hmm. been through trauma and they both want that trauma to push forward and be something good for others because Penny is mm-hmm. concerned about Bojack still being out there and maybe yeah. he's hurt other people and mm-hmm. letting her story out would be good for them. Charlotte makes the fair point that like it won't just be Bojack that's exposed. It will be them. It will be her. It will be her mistakes as well. And mm-hmm. like maybe just think about it for a couple of days. And I think also think it's really important how – Penny is so young still like at this point she's a few years older but this happened to her when she was like 17 and, and she's now like she's what 20. 21 yeah. or something yeah tops and so she says this is all really confusing and of course it would be you're still a baby yeah she's just a little baby mm-hmm. it'd be confusing for anyone and I think it's just so much for her to have to work through and she's been going she's been working through a lot of it on her own seemingly where I don't get the sense that she has had a lot of professional help with this where mm-hmm. she's hasn't I mean maybe she has but she hasn't talked to her mom about Bojack showing up and like it seems like she's still really working through it and she is still so young that this is a lot for her to be processing yeah she's just a baby and but I do I like the inclination to like do something that's mm-hmm. going to help others as well so once the showcase is over this is when we see Bojack get his phone call mm-hmm. and it's it's shown that Charlotte is the one calling Bojack and she tells Bojack 
to get rid of the journalists. He's like, what journalists? She like, like is like, listen, this is your thing to figure out. Like, get rid of the journalists. We're done. Go. And this mm-hmm. is where we see Bojack hyperventilating again. But we get the full picture, which is where he fully faints and falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. And Todd is there yeah. and tries to save him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Todd's there to respond. The thing is, is like, I'm glad that the news is coming out, but it's also just like, yeah, it like it, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a lot, but what a good episode. Such a good episode. I feel like we had a lot of very fruitful conversation to come out of that. Like it's I, this feels like an important episode for people to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an important episode. The um, BoJack Wiki does point out that this is like the only the fourth Diane centric episode of the entire show which we are in the second half of season six I'm just mm-hmm. going to show once again look how amazing it is when they actually do something with Diane and they use her character and they push things forward rather than having her be Mr. Peanut Butter's wife or Bojack's yeah. ghostwriter or just like on the yeah. sidelines like she can oh. be so good yeah have her be a full person in her own right and like the dog days are over episode where she goes to Vietnam that was a great episode too so exactly yeah. We have just one piece of feedback about this particular episode, which is from Noah, who says, this is one of my favorite episodes, really great exploration of how difficult the creative process can be and the foggy, shameful effect trauma can have on our memories. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Diane's antidepressant journey, and I do sympathize with her fear that becoming more, quote, normal means losing part of yourself. I spent I don't know how many years where I wasn't sure if I was depressed or just lazy, anxious, or sick. SSRIs aren't a magic bullet, but they can bring you to the point where you have the energy to make some changes. And I think that's a lot of what we were saying, too, about Diane and Guy's conversation, where it's like, this isn't going to fix everything, but let's get you to a place where we can start working on it. Yes, exactly. We also got a really lovely message from Carolyn, and they said that they really like the new Futurama podcast. So thank you, Carolyn. Oh, yes. Love that for you. Um, Mm -hmm. Jules tweeted us this TikTok where someone had made a TikTok to like the Bojack, like traveling on the boat and the sunset behind him. And someone Mm -hmm. asked show and the creator said, no, this is for your own good. (laughs) Like would not tell them what show it was, which I thought was very funny. (laughs) No, it wasn't Chappelle, interestingly (laughs) enough. As well that Carolyn brought up that the horror spawn con that kelsey makes really does look a lot like jameson h and her dad which i did notice and then did not say on the podcast so thank you for bringing that back up yes very good yes uh, carol is the same carolyn who emailed in and said i sent kirsten a tweet about that so so cute okay well that is it that's all for now Mm mm-hmm Good one. G- great episode. Good job, Lindsay. Great work from both of us. <laughs> you also. Yes. Incredible. <laughs> so if you would like to be part of the conversation, again, we are accelerating our schedule. So please get your feedback for the rest of Bojack in to at Bojack Horsepod on Twitter, Bojack Horsepod at uh, gmail.com or tinyurl.com slash Bojack Horsepod. We are still creating content over on Patreon. For the month of May, we watched tangled and there will be a poll going up shortly for the june watch as well so if you would like to help financially support the podcast that we are not paying to do it maybe help us upgrade tech that kind of thing you can go to patreon.com slash bojack horsepod 
and we are making more content there that is, you know, is behind the old paywall, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a position to do that right now, maybe tell your friends about the podcast. That helps us a lot, too. Yes. Or leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts because that also helps people find the podcast. We we need those five-star reviews to breathe. It's very difficult not to get them. <laughs> so come on. Mm-hmm. So, Lindsay, if people want to hear more from you, then they can listen to the podcast of tomorrow. Nailed it. Yes. The Futurama podcast. What a dream. We love to see. I need to actually listen to it is what I need to do because then I'll definitely remember what it's called. But I just have my feet has been so full. There's no room in your queue. There will be room in my queue. I just need to catch up and then I can do it. I did spend like a whole day this week just listening to Maintenance Phase because I'm back on my bullshit. So that's nice. That's how I'm at. If you would like to hear more from me, you can follow me everywhere at Kirsten Said What, including twitch.tv slash Kirsten Said What. You can listen to me talk Riverdale each week over on Kowski Cast. That's cow with a K. And you can find me with Sasha Joseph talking about pop culture, celebrity gossip, and trending topics over on Mess Magnets. Please check those out if you have the time but we will be back next week to talk about season six episode 11 sunk cost and all that so we will see you then bye